0: This is the Two Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of bleed Two Tone Blue. This is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored.
1: This is Two-Tone Uncensored. We have a really good show for you tonight. I am your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, back from battling the hurricane of his own namesake, Matt Necrone. What's up, Matt?
2: Back and better than ever, man. Burned all the candles out, but we're, we're ready to roll.
1: All right. And Glenn lotzenheiser he didn't survive a hurricane, but you also didn't miss the show.
0: I did not miss the show, and I think I've survived enough tornadoes in Oklahoma now that I've earned my hurricane pass. Dude, fuck weather, man. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> all
1: right. We have a, a good show for you tonight. We're going to go into a lot of stuff here. Before we do, we wanted to remind everybody Pro Bowl vo- voting is open this week. So start voting for the Titans. All you Titans fans out there, go on and vote for every Titan on there. You can check it out at NFL.com. I believe it's also on TennesseeTitans.com. So check it out. Vote for all the Titans so we can get them in the Pro Bowl. But let's jump right into the mailbag here, guys. First question from Tyler Musson, and he asks, Do you think Mariota's back-to-back three touchdown performances is a product of better wide receiver play, or better quarterback reads, and can this trend continue?
0: I think the play calling has probably changed a little bit. He's playing in spite of his wide right receivers for the most part, because these guys—if you look at it—they're still not getting open most plays. There, there were some nice wide open plays. I think Kendall Wright coming back and forcing defenses to think about the long ball has helped. We saw a lot of that this week. But I don't—I don't know that so much of reading as he seems. He looks like he's loosened up a little bit the last couple of weeks, and that may have something to do with the defenses that we're playing. But as far as what to attribute it to. I think I want to wait a few more games if we're really seeing a change or if this is just you know two terrible defenses that we've beaten the crap out of.
2: I think it can continue. Uh, I think that obviously Kendall Wright being back is a huge boost. He is our most talented wide receiver. One thing that you may or may not have noticed in these two-game win streak that we've been on, the key factor is, in my opinion, Harry Douglas has been inactive for both games. Having Johnson on the field, whether he's you know a solid contributor or not, I think, definitely makes up for the lack of production of Harry Douglas or or the lack of mistakes that Harry would basically bring when he's on the field. I don't know if, if you guys even noticed he was on it or not, but I, I'd like to see him inactive from here on out. Um, Matt with the Douglas hate. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, he's very lackluster to say the least, but I, I think with Mariota's uh, performance it has gotten a little bit better. Still progressing as we say all the time. And, you know, He is still learning. Rabisky's getting slowly getting better at his play calling. There's a few things I disagree with with this past week's game but i still i think we are progressing even with him i think that everybody's off of uh, malarkey's neck as far as you know calling for his job but i think we can continue and um we'll see in these next couple games we got the jags and the colts coming up next week so we'll we'll see how that goes but i think we we can definitely keep progressing and and see how it goes from there
1: that's like it is what it is even as mama hates him. <laughs> Geez. No, I think you guys bring up some great points here. I think a lot of it has to do with Mario to not forcing plays right now is, you know, Glenn just said playing looser. He's not, you see him sliding instead of trying to force that ball there uh, and and forcing a lot of fumbles that we've seen in the past. He's not trying to force the ball down the field. A lot of it also has to do with the running game, really picking up a lot of steam, Uh, not so much in this game, but in the last few games, It really took a giant step forward. Another thing, Kendall Wright, that you guys mentioned, he had almost 47% of Mariota's yards this week were passes to Kendall Wright. So obviously a, a huge factor, the lower level of talent that we're playing right now with these teams. But a big thing is play action, and they've really worked out the kinks in play action. Marcus went five for six, 144 yards, two touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating when throwing on play action. And if you look at his numbers comparatively to what he was doing in the beginning of the year, he was really struggling in play action attempts. Now they're getting more time. They're learning that they don't have to hit the bootleg every single time, that this offensive line's good enough that he can play action, stay in the pocket, just step up and fire a pass downfield. And, you know, we saw him have a lot of success with that this week. We saw it with Miami as well. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think it can continue because obviously we played two weak defenses. But we're also ironing out all of these wrinkles. You know, we're getting better at play action. Kendall Wright's back has a huge factor. Mariota not forcing play is a big factor. So, you know, I think obviously as the, the competition gets better, it's going to be harder. Uh, but I think that we're starting to do a lot of things that are going to make us more successful when we do have to play good defenses. But still, I mean, next week, we're not going to be playing a good defense, so obviously I think it'll continue into next
2: week. Yeah, man, I, I think, honestly, he's improved drastically as far as when he's running with the ball, protecting it. As far as, like... When you know he's going, he'll slide. He's he's probably the best sliding QB in the league for whatever that's worth. But, I mean, when he's not trying to put everything on his shoulders, he makes smart plays. When he tries to – he had that bad interception last game, which I know he wish he had that back. But that was just – it's one of those things where you're going to mis- make mistakes, but, you know, you'll learn from it. When he does tuck and run, he's making great slides. He's not getting hit. That's the, that's the biggest thing. We want him healthy. And he's doing what he needs to to make sure he doesn't take those big hits.
1: Hats off to the offensive line too playing so good because if- – If you remember, both of those injuries last year did not come on runs. They came when Marcus was in the pocket. So offensive line play is a big factor in that as well. Next one sent in by Devin Mills. He asks, do you think Malarkey secures his job with a victory over the Colts this weekend?
0: I don't think a victory over the Colts proves anything other than the Colts are just terrible. Uh, A loss hurts his cause quite a bit, but I don't know that beating the Colts and getting to a winning record this week seven will uh, secure his job. But the team seems to be moving on the right track. Uh, I think we could all say that, that they've been getting better week to week in at least some phase here or there. The fact that we're beating easy teams, that doesn't save your job. We'll see what happens towards the end of the season, but I think right now he's done enough to show that the team is moving in the right direction. His job is probably already secure for next season unless we just fall apart.
2: Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. I don't, I don't think it secures it, but it's a big, big win for sure. If we can get the next two wins and become five and three... Unless there's a complete meltdown by the, the end of the season, I would say those, these two wins do secure his spot. Um, two division games are obviously huge. I know we we definitely dropped the ball with Houston, but it, the thing that drives me nuts, and, and, and I'll say this right now, we just beat the Cleveland Browns. The score doesn't really reflect how the game went. But for an 0-16, man, they they played pretty well for, for what they have, you know, Cody Kessler's a little sc- scrappy little kid. And, and I was actually kind of impressed with what he could do uh, outside the pocket scrambling. Miami's kind of in a worse situation than Cleveland, both, you know, not great defenses. I understand that. And even, you know, with the Colts defense coming up and, and Jacksonville's a little bit better than the Colts I would say if we can get two wins out of them it's gonna be hard it's gonna take a complete meltdown I think for for uh, Malarkey to lose his job if we can get both of those wins
1: I'm gonna go against a little bit what you guys said here I do think this win would secure his job I said at the beginning of the season when we had a similar question of how many games it would take Malarkey to win For him to get a second season And I said just four Because I think that's all It's going to take Because we're already We've already seen Improvement This team's already Better than the one Last year No matter what we do The rest of the season We know that now Unless you know Like you guys said The wheels just Completely come off And it's just a, a disaster The rest of the time If we lose close games we're still better than we were last year you know there's been a lot of improvement a lot of different areas you know the the offensive line uh, even the secondary has been playing better a lot of that has to do with health um, more than talent but the running game obviously a giant difference I think that with this win he gets those four games he's gonna get a chance at a second season Ken Wisenhunt got two games and that at least bought him a ticket to a second season although he didn't last very long into that second season so I think Malarkey's done enough right now he gets another win he'll get four wins and that's enough to keep him on a second season because of we're growing it's a new system and obviously we have improved but i do think that if he only wins four games he'll start out next season on the hot seat so you know it's he'll put himself kind of in the same position that ken did when he was here if he's not able to get a little bit more than that moving on to the next question though wesley thornton sends this one in With Kendall Wright's success against the Browns, will we finally open it up to more three wide receiver sets?
2: It's hard to say, man. I I do think we should, but I don't know if we will. I think that uh, running is still our thing. I think, honestly, the better solution is to not necessarily take Tajay out of the starting lineup to put Kendall Wright in there because Kendall's obviously very successful in the slot with the three receiver set. But I would rather see them interchange in and out as far as it doesn't matter to me who starts. I mean, obviously the game really doesn't matter until you you start get, get going anyway. But I think with what we're trying to do, the two tight ends set is probably a better formation for us. But, I mean, as long as we can see more Kendall on the field, I know Tajay's kind of regressed a little bit. I do like having Andre on the field, and obviously I've already discussed how I feel about uh, Harry Douglas. I don't want to see him on the field for any reason. So, I mean, I, I would rather see a more of a, a Jason Morrow on the field than opposed to three receivers. But at the same time, whatever's working, if we can run the ball in the three-receiver set, then then why not? But I think we should just keep with what we're doing if it's working and just kind of interchange right – And Sharp. I don't feel that we need
0: a lot of three-receiver sets. I do want them to have them out there. I don't want them to all just be in bunches like we do on third down sometime. But, you know, they got to switch it up as much as possible just to give the other teams as much film work to do as possible so that they do more work prepping for the game. And Every time you put another set out there, the defensive coordinator has got to break that down, get his guys ready for it. It's one more thing they have to have in their mind that, hey, they might come at us with this. They at us with that. I, I heard Kendall Wright talking this week that Robisky came to him. They spent about five minutes going over that play that they hit where he had to dive to catch the ball, score the touchdown. It was so amazing. And they missed on it in practice. They couldn't make that connection. He said that Robisky you know, made it clear that this is going to happen in the game this is going to be open for us. You have to be able to hit this. And it's part of the uh, play calling where, since we don't have so much speed upfield, they're kind of bunching the sets so that they they can go east and west across the patterns to get open enough to go north. Which, you know, I've mentioned that a couple times this season already, that you know it, whenever you're in there in tight formations, the idea is that you're going to be able to escape out on the edge of the defense and then maybe gain some extra yards that way. And that's what we've been doing. I mean, we saw Walker do that earlier on in the season where he would creep out. We, we saw Fasano do that this week for a touchdown. He bre- Bring guys across the pattern and they get a chance to get the ball and all of a sudden they end up being deeper down the field. So that's where your deep plays come from when you have a slower offense like we do. I don't know that I want to see more three wide receiver sets, but if Asano's hurt and they do bring Amaro out there, then we're obviously passing more from that set because Amaro's not a great blocker. Like I said, I don't want to see more three receiver sets, but I do want to see a continual changing of the sets that we keep teams not quite sure what they're going to see from week to week without getting away from the power run game that we need to work.
2: Were you surprised, Glenn, that we were able to move the ball and put up so many points without using Delaney Walker?
0: Delaney had his part in this game too, but yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised because their defense was spending a lot of time paying attention to him. They took away certain parts of the game. They focused real hard on DeMarco Curry and Delaney Walker we said you're not going to have your two best weapons so you're going to have to beat us with other people and so we were doing more of the the big plays down the field uh, we were hitting Fasano we were hitting right because we, we weren't getting a strong ground game going so I'm not really surprised that they had success without Walker because their defense isn't good enough to spend that much attention stuffing the run and stopping Walker and still be able to stop the other players on the
1: field I agree you know a lot of what you said there Glenn I think that Delaney Walker's major role in this game was taking defenders off of other guys. I know that he didn't get the numbers that we're used to Delaney getting, but a big part of that was just he was getting double team, triple team at, at certain points and it opened up opened up the rest of the field for the ability for us to do a lot of other things, you know, like you said Fasano, Supernall even had a, a nice catch for a first down. It opened up a lot of things for us because they were really focusing on Delaney Walker and DeMarco Murray as you said. Going back to the original question though, I don't want to see a whole lot of three-wide receivers I would like to see him for a lot of what Glenn said there about making it harder on the on the incoming defensive coordinator for the next team you play. But this is still a running team first, and even though we did not have a great game running the football, this is where we need to focus. This needs to be you know what we do, and and that's what we are going to do. That's what we're going to stick with. Is trying to run the ball, trying to run it downhill with this exotic smashmouth offense. So I don't want to see a ton of it. Just because, you know, I think we have more success when we run the ball down the hill and then we come off of play action. I just talked about earlier how good Mariota was coming off of play action. So I want that to be our main M.O., but obviously throw the three wide receiver sets in there. Uh, Especially with right back, it does add... You know, another wrinkle to this offense that makes it hard because he's a guy that can get open and he's a guy that can burn you in the open field for sure. So, you know, I'd like to see some of it, but I still don't want it to be a big part of our offense. Just another little thing that makes it hard to game plan against us and something to throw in there every now and again. Next question going in here, Logan Gillespie sends this one in. We are sitting at 500 right now, six games into the season. Looking ahead into this schedule, how confident are you that we can stay at the 500 mark or maybe get above the 500 mark by the time the season ends.
0: I think there's reason to believe that we can be at the 500 mark, possibly higher, but, you know, I think the 500 mark is what we should be honestly looking for, and that could win this division. This division is so bad that 500 may be good enough. I'd really like for us not to be that team that has a losing record and makes it into the playoffs. I just, I can't stand that. I'd rather see them reseed, you know, for the playoffs than put a losing team in the playoffs over a team that has won 9, 10 games because they're better than the division leader on a terrible division.
2: Yeah, I think 500 is definitely possible. I think these next two games are really going to set the tone to see where this team goes. Even let's just say we go 4-4 four and four at the end of it, I really do think that we could still have the upper hand in this division. I don't know who the favorite is. I guess obviously it's the Texans with their record right now. We're a more talented team than the Texans in my opinion. They have better, a more potent offense maybe than we do, but as a whole I, I really think we're a better team. We shouldn't have lost that game. I think we'll be able to prove it later down on the line. I'm not sure when, when we play them next. I'm pretty sure it's close to the end of the season when we do play them again. I think we could see five. 500 easily. And let's just say we do go five and three after these two weeks. I think that it's really going to pick the fan base up. For one, we haven't really talked about it yet. We definitely had a home field advantage this week. It was great to see. It's something we haven't had all year. I think if we can get behind them for these next two games and we end up five and three, the team is going to catch a spark. And over 500, I don't know. We'll basically have to just you know go game by game and see where we are. But I definitely think 500 could win the division. So depending on these next two games they're they're definitely gonna be real big games. I think it's gonna
1: be tough. It's a tough road ahead and it really does start, as Matt was just saying, with these next two games. Divisional games at home with the Colts and Jags. These are games we gotta win. And if we really want to stay at that five hundred or above mark, I think we have to win these next two games. And they are going to set the tone for the rest of the season. Because you look we still have Green Bay and I know they're not playing well but that's still a good team And they still have four weeks to figure it all out before they play us. You have the Broncos, who are having their own struggles, but still a good team. Kansas City's struggling, but still a good team. It's hard to say right now. Every team that we play right now, for the rest of the season, is a beatable team. As good as Denver looks, they're really struggling. As good as Green Bay's roster is, they're really struggling. Kansas City cannot win on the road to save their life, but too bad we play them at home. And then all the rest are, you know, divisional games, the Chargers and the Bears. Everybody that we play is beatable, but we have to be able to execute. And I think it really sets with setting the tone in these next two games and winning these next two games. And if we can win both of them, I think we finish at 500 or better. If we can win one, it, it's going to make it hard. It's going to make it muddy there. We'll, we might be able to get still to 500. But it really starts with these next two games. And I just want to talk real quick on a point that Matt made. As we did have a home field advantage this week against a team that does tend to travel pretty well. So that is a, something big to be said there. It is a big, big factor. And you've got to keep going to the games. Keep supporting this team when you can. And show up at Nissan Stadium because it really does make a big difference. You know, we talked to some former players, and they talked about how important that home field advantage is. So that's a big point going forward, especially these next two games against divisional opponents. You know, we need to have that home field advantage. We need to take advantage of that and be able to throw their quarterbacks off, throw their timing off, take every advantage that we can get in these next two games so we can come out of there setting pretty in our division even better than what we are right now.
2: Yeah, dude, let me say this, man. We got you know the Colts at home this week and then the Jags at home the following week. If we win those two games, we go on the road to San Diego, which is a winnable game, in my opinion. Then we come back home to Green Bay. So, I mean, that if we can end up with two two out of the next three, if we can end up with um, two wins and we come back home to Green Bay, that fan support should be as high as it's ever been against Green Bay. I mean, th- this could seriously be a, a good turnaround, but the Colts is where it starts, man. We got to we got to finish strong with them and, and go from there. I mean, every game counts, obviously, but these next two are, are very, very important.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we need to be in a really good spot so that we can play loose when you know we play Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is struggling this season, but that can't last forever. You know, eventually he's going to get it, you know, sorted out and they're going to start playing well again. The thing that we got to be is we got to be in good shape when we play them so that our team isn't playing like it's a must-win game and they start not pressing and making mistakes against a team like Green Bay.
1: No, absolutely, guys. You guys bring up great points here and this it starts with this this game we have this weekend, which of course we're going to be talking about later in the show. We're going to move in. We have a little bit of news. We're going to talk about the division here. I'm going to give it over to Glenn to lead us through this. So take it away, Glenn.
0: Yeah, the AFC South is uh, terrible this year. You know, The Houston Texans are 4-2, and where well, they haven't looked good doing it. Uh, one of the biggest things that stands out to me is not a single team in this division has posted a positive point total uh, versus the opposition. We are the best so far. We We have scored seven fewer points than we've given up. The Texans leading the division at four and two are at minus 19 the jaguars are minus 26 the colts are at minus 14 this divisions the defenses haven't been very good we're obviously the best defense of the group we just had a lot of trouble scoring early on when you look around this conference is there any other team in here that you look at their defense i mean the the texans are noted for having a really good defense but osweiler is holding them back the jaguars the whole team is just trash right now the colts they can score but their defense is giving up even more points than the offense can you know, score. Do you see any other team in here that looks strong at this point in the season? No, I w- man.
1: I'm going to say that I will say this is I think the Texans still have a good football team. I, you know, it's they're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but their defense, I believe, has given up the same amount of points that we have so far this season. So they're playing on par with us, which, you know, we've obviously been doing a pretty good job on that side of the ball, but it does come down to their offense, you know, if, If our defense is proven right now that we're equally as good as they are, and, you know, points are a great way to show that, then it comes down to offense, and I think absolutely our offense is better. One, we thought the rushing attack was going to be great, and it's not bad right now, but our rushing attack's better. You know, even though we had a down week this week, we're still putting out more yards. DeMarco Murray has shown he's superior to Lamar Miller, and then you look at quarterbacks, obviously Mariota with the upper hand. I think they do have us at wide receiver, I think it'd be hard to argue otherwise. Uh, Delaney Walker, I think, is the best tight end of the two teams. So, you know, they do have spots where they're better than us, but Osweiler really hurts this team a lot, you know, because this Texans team, you think about it this way, guys. You take a good quarterback, you take, like, a a Matthew Stafford or a Matt Ryan, one of those kind of guys, you plug them into this team. This team might be a 12-win team, this Texans team. You know, they have a good defense. They have weapons on the outside. They have a good running back. Osweiler's really, really handcuffing this team. That's what's holding them back. He's the anchor, and you saw it this week. He just keeps throwing sailing balls high. He throws too, f- leads wide receivers too far on the outside on out routes. I mean, he's really struggling. And he, this Colts team defense that that they played this week. And I'll talk about it more when we talk about this Colts preview. They're terrible. This defense is bad right now. And they continued from last year being really, really bad. So this Texans team barely snuck out with that win, and they struggled to do anything against this Colts team, especially in the beginning of the game. That's a terrible sign. If you're struggling that much against really bad defenses, when we go up against this Texans team again, I think, our defense is playing better, offense obviously playing better, we're going to have a really good chance to beat this team. I think our defense played well against the Texans our offense really just couldn't match up with that and by the time they really, you know, got momentum it was too little too late. And then just real quick note, the Colts right now have Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton and it seems like nobody else they can't get any help on the offensive line defense has given up way too many points the Jaguars were lucky to get a win this week against you know a, a lower level team and snuck it out late Blake Bortles seems like he's regressed this offense isn't clicking, the defense is not nearly as good as everybody thought it was going to be so the Texans is the only team I think that really puts pressure on us but I still think that overall we're the better team You know our defense as I said are equal and we get the advantage on offense, I think we're the better team, we just have have to execute.
2: Yeah, Ryan broke it down pretty thorough there. A couple things I'll say. A Th- few things that stand out to me when I'm looking at these uh, division standings is the Texans are 4-0 and on the road, 0-2 at home. So, I mean, for whatever that's worth, they, they, um, they're playing well at home. Osweiler was way overpaid. We, we've already said that before the season started and, you know, it's come to fruition. Another thing, all three teams besides the Colts have their defense have allowed 127 points altogether. The only standout with the Colts is that they let 174 points. I mean, that's. That's 50 points more than any other team in this division. Uh, their defense is obviously struggling. They're 0 and 3 on the road and 2 and 1 at home. Are the Colts? So I mean, this this is another road game for the Colts. Obviously, Tennessee's at home. We should be able to handle them, and I, I think we will. It's crazy seeing them, and it's only you know a two game difference between first and last. You know, four and two, two and four. If we can get the, this win this week, you know that puts the Colts in the basement, and I, and the Jaguars they barely escaped against the Bears. I don't know how that how that even happened. These home and road streaks, we finally popped the cherry at home. Uh, That was something we definitely needed to get out of the way. Malarkey said himself he's glad it happened so we can stop talking about it. The fan support was awesome. And I can't stress, I mean, we've already said it, a bunch of times man but this this home support we need this this game coming up is probably the most important game of the season even though it's only week seven so i mean the the trends are there we just got to make sure we take care of what we can control and i could definitely see us winning this division like ryan said i think we're a better team than the texans they they've been playing really well at home they got everything but you know a great quarterback so with jj watt being out for the year that defense is not what they were they're, you know, they allowed as many points as we did. So the division's up in the air, but I think we have just as good a shot as anybody to take it. Uh,
0: the thing with the Jaguars, they've given up 127 points, is they've given up 127 points in five games. So they've played one game less than we have in the they're
2: Texans. True. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't consider yeah, so, that. So, so
0: the points that they're surrendering per game, they're definitely behind us. The, the, the Colts, their defense is so bad that, you know, it's them, Browns, the Carolina Panthers are all 170 something and then the San Francisco 49ers are 185 so they're in the bottom 4 of the league. So that defense is not going to get better this season to the point that we we have to worry about their defense. It's all about their offense. I mean, they scored 160 points on offense so far and we're the next closest team in the division at 120. So they scored 40 more points, you know, so far this season than we have. It's obviously the Colts are an offensive first team. Their defense is absolutely terrible. One thing about the Texans, like you guys were saying, you know, J.J. Watt's out. That completely changes the complexion of that group. They are not going to be able to just dominate people with their defense. They play pretty well. I really think, I think it's Whitney Merciless has really stepped up. Clowney looked better this week, at least for the part of the game that I watched the first half. The Texans' defense isn't bad. They're just, they're not special because they are lacking, you know, J.J. Watt. Now, I think with Osweiler, I don't think he's as bad of a quarterback as he looks like. He's just, he's just doing. Well what Marcus is doing he's pressing he's trying to earn that contract that you know they gave him and he can't do it I don't think he's a good enough quarterback to ever earn that contract that they gave him but you know he, he walked away from the Broncos that was his best chance to be a good quarterback and with the contract that he signed with the Texans he's never going to live up to that contract he might as well stop worrying about it and just try to play loose and see what he can do
1: I'll ask you guys a question real quick before we move off the division here is what right now that we've gone a little bit into the season what record do you think it'll take for Tennessee to win this division outright eight and eight
2: I guess it's hard to say man I I could see a seven and nine team winning this division but a lot of things have to happen for one we have to win obviously Most importantly. But the Texans, they they gotta start losing some home games, man. They've they've been pretty hot at home. And I think to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if we do take this division if we end up with like a nine and seven record. And I could see that happening.
0: Yeah, like like I said earlier, I think eight and eight can win it. I really don't want us to win it at seven and nine or six and ten. I don't want that to be our record. I would rather not win the division than win the division at six and ten. Just because this division is awful. I think the Houston Texans will win at least three more games. So we're gonna be six and ten is not going to win it. I think 8-8, that that could win this division this year.
1: We keep talking about how this Colts game is so important. Another reason why it's so important is this upcoming week, the Texans are going to have the Broncos in Denver on Monday night football. We know how the Texans have struggled in, in recent memory. In primetime games, you know, they were able to squeak a win out in that last one. But a Broncos team is a lot better than that Colts team that you're seeing there. They have them on Monday night. Tough matchup. If Texans lose this and we can beat the Colts, that puts us at a tie for first place in the division. Obviously, they have the tiebreaker right
2: now. But definitely a big step for us moving forward. Yeah, and Jacksonville plays the Raiders. That's going to be a tough game for them as well.
0: Like Ryan said, it's only a two. (laughs) 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 Shh. Like Ryan said, it's only a two-game difference between the winners and the losers right now, and none of these teams are really that good. I don't see any reason why we can't be the division winner. We just have to continue this streak that we're working on. The offense has to continue to evolve, and I think we're going to be all right in the end.
1: All right, guys, let's head into a commercial break here. When we come back, let's break down this Browns game that we saw and then look ahead at this Colts game that we've been talking about so much. So we'll be right back after a quick commercial break.
0: Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show.
1: Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from The Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, The 32 Team Parking Garage.
0: Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com.
2: You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Brought to you by Podbean.
0: Hey, this is Bo Scaife. you listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up.
1: And we're back from that commercial break. I'm going to hand it over here to Glenn as he takes us through this Browns recap. Glenn, take it away.
0: All right. Now, I wrote down some points that I'd like to talk about as far as th- things that we saw during the game, changes that we've seen over the last few weeks, and then all of this is kind of ignoring the last three minutes of the game that we'll talk about a little bit later on. So as we talk about this, just ignore that part. Okay. (laughs) All right. My first thought was, you know, watching this game passing game development is obviously it's changed a little bit. We're definitely taking more shots downfield. It looks like guys are getting in better spots. What do you attribute this improvement to over the last few weeks? Is it, you know, they let Mario in a loose, are they sending receivers deeper and using the field better? You know, Is it just Kittle Wright being back? I think it's
2: probably a combination of all three, man. I think Robisky has gotten better with the play calling. I think we are spreading it out, using the field better. Like you said earlier, Delaney, in my opinion, statistically wasn't that big of a factor with only one catch, 21-yard reception. But at the same time, you know he takes defenders away from other guys. Supernaw had a big catch on on a big third down for I think 17 yards it was. We're definitely spreading the ball out, and I think it may be quote unquote letting Mario to loose. I know he he didn't throw the ball that many times. I think he was like 17 for 24, I believe. Rubisky basically, although I would say you know he he his play calling has gotten better. There was a few things that I disagree with with what we did. Um, one thing I will say is when we were going into the half, we had we gave Suckup that chance for that 58 yard field goal. We actually used good time clock management. It was an ugly kick that almost went in. I was actually kind of surprised about that. I didn't think we even had a shot. But I will say that with Mariota using his legs moving up the field, letting him loose so to speak. Between that and and good clock management, we actually put ourselves in a position even though we didn't get the points out of it. It was the first time all year where I felt good about play calling, whether it was, you know, moving up the field with a minute to go before the half or just in general. I think we're definitely getting better in that department and we are using the field better than we have been before. Kendall Wright opens up a lot of things for this offense and whether he's a true number 1 or not, he's our best receiver. So we got to use him and continue to let him and Mario to just do what they do.
1: I agree a lot with what you just said there, Matt. Kendall Wright's a huge part of it. You know, as I just said earlier in the show, just about 47% of Mario's yards came from Kendall Wright. He was 8 for 9 on his uh, catches and targets this week. Now, 133 yards, one touchdown. And, I mean, that touchdown was gorgeous. Just laying completely out to get that ball. And then uh, the presence of mind is to get up quick enough to really allow let the Browns push him into the end zone. You know, he had a really good game. And a, a lot of it, too, is not just having Kendall Wright back because Kendall Wright can produce, but having Kendall Wright back because it makes the defense have to respect the deep ball. And I know that teams that we play are going to look at that, that deep Pass. Kendall Wright was really by himself. The only reason that the Browns were able to catch up is because he had to lay out to get the ball. Teams are going to look at that, and teams are going to recognize that they have to play the deep ball. They have to to keep it in the back of their minds because with Kendall Wright back, we can use it. So it keeps defenses honest. It keeps them off of that line a little bit. That helps out the running game. That helps out the short passing game. You know, a lot of benefit uh, comes from that. He played a huge part in it. And I know that we kind of talked down on him a little bit earlier in the season. But he really has submitted himself when in the time that he's come back he's really submitted himself as the number one wide right receiver on this team as i talked about earlier too that really fine-tuning that play action was a big factor in this game even though the running game wasn't working we kept running it which is the smart thing to do you know i know a lot of people were like just you know just throwing every single down it would, that's not the smart move even though murray averaged 3.1 yards in this game they kept going to him which is good because it kept them honest we had to go to the passing game and it set up touchdowns because of those play action passes. That was another big factor. So I think the play action and the play calling with that getting better and Kendall Wright is comes in two parts: his production and then keeping teams earnest because they have to be able to to be prepared for that deep pass. All of that together is what really made this passing game develop this
2: week. I was going to say, Ryan. In all fairness, to touch on what you just said a minute ago with Kendall Wright. I think we've we don't we never necessarily put him down. I think we all acknowledge that he is and always has been our best receiver. We've said that all along. It's always been his attitude. And I'm not so sure, you know, moving forward, let's just say he he has games like he had this past week, helps us win. This is his contract year, whether it's for us or another team. And I think this is a big, big point to bring up. I'm not so sure that unless we do succeed, get into the playoffs, or, you know, have a somewhat successful season, that he's going to stick around. Whether he's productive or not, I know that he's always had that on the fence attitude, whether he wants to be here or he doesn't want to be here. I think these remaining games in, in the season is going to determine you know where he stands with this team and i'd like to see him stay i'd like to see him productive but i don't know that he wants to be here we've never questioned his ability it's always been his attitude
0: the thing with kettle Wright is you know he's been hurt a bunch and that's what everybody was down on him before and this is the whole thing is everybody was like you know he'd be awesome if he could stay on the field you know if, if he were playing that would you know be important but he doesn't play as far as him coming back next year i think it's going to be a question of what he's asking if he says you know hey i play you know a, a good second half of the the season this year you should give me number one money and pay me i don't think they bring him back i don't think john robinson will bother to pay up for that but at the same time if he's willing to take a friendly contract something that helps the titans out you know if he's willing to be here so that whatever young wide receiver we bring in from this next draft because i think we've all agreed that we're bringing in a burner Or bringing in a more dynamic receiver than after counting right what everybody else on the field is. And if he wants to stay around and be a part of that and be with Marcus, then that's great. Otherwise, he may end up going for a team that has one of the better quarterbacks in the league and just trying to get his, his chance to showcase his ability with, you know, an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, somebody like that.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'll say this before you go on, Ryan. I think, honestly, broken record, but these games coming up from here on out are going to determine. I don't think he's decided what he wants to do. Let's assume he has a good season the rest of the way. I don't think there's one way or the other. He's decided whether he wants to stay or go. Let's just say his production falls off. I don't think there's any way he stays here. But if he has a productive season... I don't think one way or the other, his mind is made up right now.
1: I'm gonna actually disagree with you. I think it goes the other way, Matt. I think if he if he like completely falls off, completely declines, then we'll say like zero percent performance the rest of the year. Then I think you might see him go. But if he plays poorly enough, I think we'll retain him because he'll be cheap. I think the better he plays, the harder he is to keep because he sees how much a lot of these players are getting in free agency. We all know that free agency is where you go to get overpaid for the talents that you have until a point. You know, if he comes. Out and just like elite wide receiver kind of plays, he starts looking like an elite wide receiver. Then obviously we're going to retain him. But up until you get to like about that level, you know he's just getting more expensive. That's all he's doing. Like by the better he plays is is getting more expensive, and that's why I think you'll see him leave. So I think worse he plays is the more likely he'll end up staying on this team just because. We're going out and we're gonna get wide receivers, but we're still gonna need people under them and we you know, we have guys like Douglas that's nearing in the end of his career, Andre Johnson who is you can count the snaps until the end of his career, and then you know, a lot of guys that just haven't been performing well. So you really don't have a lot of wide receivers there. So it's not like we can get rid of a lot of people. So I think, you know, the better he plays, the more expensive he gets, the less likely he's gonna be here. I
2: think the main problem with him is that he's not the prototypical number one receiver. Meaning, you know, he's, what is he, 5'10"? He's not a great receiver, but he's, it's hard to even put him in a category. I think he's, I guess, better than good, if that makes any sense. But I mean, he can be, he can be somewhat great, but I don't think he's like, he's not Julio Jones, he's not Odell Beckham or whoever. He just doesn't have that ability for a number one, and I think we can find that moving on without him. But at the same time I think we're definitely better positioned to keep him and I I don't know how it's going to play out and I don't think he knows how it's going to play out for the right price I'd like to keep Oh him. yeah I'd if... like to keep him he's a valuable piece.
1: Yeah I would like to keep him too for the right price so that is the big stipulation that's the asterisk on the end of that is for the right price cuz if we can get a guy like you know Juju Smith or or your boy in Clemson Matt to come in then you have Kendall Wright playing as the as the number two under that guy for the next, you know, couple of years. That's a very good thought to entertain. You know, that makes me happy to have a guy like that and Kendall Wright and a playmaker and then a really really solid number one, like a true number one wide receiver. You know, that would make our offense very, very dynamic and, and I would love to see that, but it has to be for the right price and and I think at free agency, you know, if Kendall Wright, especially if he plays well this season, is going to be able to get so much more elsewhere that it's really going to drive him away from Tennessee.
0: Yeah, it's going to be all about the situation for him. Going back to the question, one of the things I think that's really helped Marcus is if you look, his attempts have been going down steadily throughout the season. His first game against Minnesota, he had 41 attempts. We're all like, why the hell are we throwing the ball so much? We're a power run team. The next two weeks, 33. The next two weeks, 29. This week, he only threw the ball 24 times. He completed 17 of them, so he hit 70% of his passes. You don't need as many attempts. It's okay to hit that big pass downfield. I thought it was kind of odd during the game that you know we were taking just big shots, and that's where we were doing the chunk plays that normally were the ones who give up. I thought it was odd that we were the ones who were, you know, seeking that against the Browns. It kind of felt like we were the, you know, the team playing against us, like how, how it has been for the most part. But this is also by far his best week for uh, yards per uh, completion. Uh, his average pass netted 11.8 yards this week. He's thrown for three touchdowns the last two weeks. As his attempts have gone down, his completion percentage has gone up. He, he started out, you know, 61% of the first week against Detroit, a game that we won he threw 75.8. That That's, you know, NFL quarterback standard right there. You know, you're in the 70s. The week after against Oakland, he threw the ball 33 times. He only completed 51.5% of them, only for 6.5 yards per attempt. Then he drops down a little bit more. It goes down to 29 against Houston, but we only complete 44% of those, but it's, you know, seven yards. And then the week after against Miami, he, he completes 20 of 29. It's a 69%. That's, that's a respectable number. You want it in the 70s. But he throws three touchdowns, no interceptions. This week, 17 of 24. That's a 70%. It's about the same as last week, but 11.8. He's throwing the ball deeper down the field. We're using the field. We're getting people deeper into the routes and we're taking shots at it. I think it really is part of them saying, all right, let's go ahead and let Marcus throw the ball. My notes from the pass for Kendall Wright. I was like, Kendall Wright's probably the only receiver on this team that could have made that catch. He's the only guy that would have been open that far downfield. And Mariota showed us, you know, that Phil Sims arc that I keep talking about where he launches the ball up. It's high. It's a big high ball. It's the only way he can get it down the field. So it's all about timing for him. He's probably the only receiver we have that could have made that catch gotten up and gotten into the end zone. He's the only guy who, that we have that would be agile enough to have made all that happen right there. It was a perfect pass for Kendall Wright to be the guy laying out for, getting that. And Marcus, that's probably all he's got as far as an arm goes. And I really don't mind him sending these rainbow arcs down the field like Phil Sims used to. You know, I, I brought that up last week or the week before, somewhere in there. You know, he, he has to throw the ball high on a high arc and let his guy run under and go get it. And he did the right thing where he threw that big high arc but he threw it to a spot where only his receiver is going to have a chance to get that ball, and it just took Kendall Wright getting there and diving to make that catch. I wouldn't want that ball any closer. I wouldn't want Kendall Wright to count that in stride because you never know when a defender's coming over. Against the Browns, you can throw that pass that way. That was where that play had to come in, and I think, really, if they'll bring down the passing attempts, you know, I think 24, 25, somewhere in there is a good range for him, and let the ground game dictate what the other team's defense does so that when we do throw the ball, it has more meaning. You know, we're we're taking shots downfield, we're running the ball, we're forcing team defenses to focus on what's happening up close. We do play action, we bring receivers and tight ends across the field. That's that's their chance to get open, is going east-west to get north. And if we keep doing things like that, I think that that could be the formula that this team can win with in the passing game.
1: I agree a lot with what you said there. I think two big points for the reason that we threw that the deep ball was having Kendall right back, and it really... I know we've had him back for a couple of weeks now, but he he wasn't 100%, and he didn't get a lot of snaps the first week, and I I think he was about at 100% last week and had a good game, and then this week we're really seeing him, I mean, had a phenomenal game but also because we were playing the Browns, you know. And we were playing the Browns that it didn't have Joe Hayden out there, so it's two corners that you can pick on on both sides. You know, so their defense allowed us to do a lot more. But it is exciting because, you know, looking a little bit ahead now to next week, there's two corners out there that you can pick on because this secondary's is, you know, one of the worst in the league the Colts have. It's going to be easy for us to move the ball if we want to just like that. I think it was a good opener for us to take some shots on cleveland to set us up next week for you know a better opponent that we're going to be able to take shots on down the field could be a big difference in that game for us so those two things combined i think is a lot of why we took the deeper shots in this game but it's something always great to practice always great especially when you have divisional foe that has a defense that's you know similar setup you know better up front than they are in the back and you can get a lot of those long shots on them.
2: Let me just say, with that Kendall Wright pass, I think Mariota is is really undervalued on on how good of a throw that was. Everybody's saying that Kendall had to stretch out. After watching it over and over, Kendall slowed down to find the ball. I don't think he was in full stride and barely you know dove and catch with all he had. Mariota's pass was pretty legit, if you ask me. I don't I don't think it was that far fetched that you know in in real time. I think it was like wow, Kendall Wright just made the play of his life. But it really wasn't that bad of a throw. I think Mariota's not getting enough credit for that. Probably did take Kendall right to get down there open, opposed to any of our other guys doing it. But I do think, you know, both both players made a great play. And I don't know how you guys felt. Glenn, I'll ask you. They When, when Kendall stretched out and made that play, I'm pretty sure he knocked the wind out of himself when he did it. But great state of mind to get his knee two inches off the ground before the, you know, the Browns defenders pushed him in the end zone. But I was scared that he got hurt again. I don't know how you felt about it, but I... I thought for sure maybe he had, he had aggravated something or, you know, deja vu all over again.
0: Yeah, I had that same thought run through my head, and it's just it's something about being a Titans fan and you've seen it happen before. He, he laid out for that pass. He landed on the ball. I was thinking, oh, damn, he just cracked a rib. Yeah, you know, when when he got, he managed to get back up and get knocked into the end zone, and he's walking off the field, and you can tell he's hurt and he's in pain. And any of us would have been. If you make a diving catch and you land with all your body weight on the ball in your solar plexus, you're gonna be a little messed up. I mean, that's how that works. Yeah. And I was just I was scared. I was like, man, he's hurt again. He like that's gonna be the big play of the season, and he's done. You know, I was, I was thinking he had cracked a rib, broke his sternum, something like that. Just because it's Kendall right, we're used to little things hurting him.
2: Yeah, man. But hey, if you know, with no wind in your body, and, and you got the state of mind to get up and and move two feet to get in the end zone, that's that's awesome.
0: Absolutely. And I, I wrote that down. You know, no one else in this team, uh, as far as our receiving core, could have gotten back up and gotten into the end zone in that condition. Most most guys, they make that catch, they lay out, they knock the breath out of them, and then they're like, they like they roll over and they're hurting. You, you see it every year where some guy will make, make a diving catch, he'll land on the ball, and he'll fumble because he's like, oh, my God, I hurt. Kendall Wright's like, I'm going to fucking score, and then I'm going to cry about this. <laughs> yep.
1: It's impressive, Definitely. too, considering how uh, Kendall Wright's not a big guy. He's a littler guy. And when he dove, I mean, he stretched out every inch that he could have. I mean, if that ball was just, you know, a little bit further down the field, there's no way he makes that catch. He, I mean, he really laid out to get that, and it was, I mean, it was a, it was a very impressive catch, An unbelievable catch, and he said it like nobody else in this team would have been able to make that catch. There's not a lot of people in the league, you know, I mean, you could count them off uh, wide receivers that can make that catch. He laid out, I mean, he was completely parallel to the playing surface it was an absolutely fantastic catch
0: like matt said marcus threw a perfect strike on that that was like and i was saying too that's the only spot i want that ball to be It's at the very end of his ability to get there just so that nobody else can come over and get the ball and kendall did he he shortened up his steps acquiring the ball as he turns to look for it and then makes that beautiful dive everybody in that play deserves credit for what they did marcus threw a perfect rainbow kendall made a perfect dive, a perfect catch, did a great job of getting back to his feet, just getting knocked into the end zone.
1: Hey, and you also forgot the Browns did a perfect job of letting Kendall Wright beat him deep, and a great job of pushing <laughs> him into the end zone.
0: There you go. <laughs> you know, I think they can do that any week they want. I think they can dial up that play anytime. Oh, yeah, they have I'll, dial,
2: t- I'll say this, guys. The Browns being 0-6 are probably one of the better 0-6 teams I've ever seen. They're, they're, for what they have, they did not play a bad game, and I know you know, and it's crazy because I'm so used to our defense being so bad. Statistically, dude, we're like top 10 in in a lot of categories. Like, so we're, we're not a bad team. It's weird to say like, because I, and I, and I wasn't here last week and I'd said, I was going to say something earlier about Jason McCordy has played great these last couple weeks. I'll, and even Parish Cox has improved a lot. It's weird to say because you know we're finally getting like poe has been solid. If that dude doesn't make Pro Bowl, I'm gonna fucking be irate. He's been killing it. He's the most. I don't know if he's the. Well, actually, De- Demarco Murray did not come in free free agent acquisition. So I, I will say, Rackpo is probably our best free agent acquisition in the last however many years. He's been more than solid, and I and I do think he makes Pro Bowl this year. But our corners have stepped up. Everybody except. Bryce McCain played awesome <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I, I think Bryce, Bryce McCain, and, you know, he didn't he didn't play horrible. I think as a whole, we're obviously getting better, but McCourty has definitely stepped up these last few weeks, and I've bashed him all year, and, it, you know, I'll admit I'll, he, he's gotten better. I wasn't wrong at the time, but I'll definitely give him credit right now. I
0: was going to say, uh-huh. that, that's in my game notes here, and something that we need to talk about is we need to talk about how uh, Cox and McCourty have responded. You know, just a few weeks ago, Cox was on notice to the entire league. Everybody was like, we're going to go at this guy. We're going to make this guy, you know, step up his game or go away. They were going to try to make him quit. And he has absolutely responded these last three games. Both him and McCourty have really shown that they should be the starting guys on this team. I agree to that point, but also,
1: and not to take away from anything what they're doing, they're playing great football. You know, these two right now are really getting it done. It is impressive. You can't say enough about it, but they've played three weak quarterbacks in a row now. You know, Osweiler, it was really impressive that McCourty took Hopkins completely out of the game, but now we're seeing everybody take Hopkins out of the game because Osweiler can't get the ball there. You know, Kessler, he did have a good game, but he's still not a good quarterback. Tannehill just seems to just stay like level out he kept getting better and better and then leveled out the last couple years right at below average we haven't played a good quarterback i want to see what they're going to do next week when we do play a really good quarterback
2: well we got one coming up with andrew luck so we'll see how it goes
0: definitely the opposing quarterbacks have a big part to do with how well those guys have looked they're all pressing they're all trying to make things happen and they, they don't have that fine control ball placement we will definitely see a lot bigger challenge and we're going to learn a lot more about those two guys this you know next week but Andrew Luck is out there hitting his guys you know TY Hilton he's not the biggest guy in the world but he's quick He's fast. He's going to make you look really bad if you're not on his hip. And we'll see if those two guys turn their heads and bat down some balls against Andrew Luck because the last three guys haven't shown us nearly as much. But even with the level of competition, I'm impressed with how well those two guys have played.
2: Yeah, as you know, we've had our trouble with tight ends. I think Jack Doyle is going to have a a better game than, I mean, T.Y. Hilton will probably be the leading receiver, but right behind him will probably be Jack Doyle. I know Moncrief is still out. I think Moncrief would give us some trouble. Uh, But Philip Dorsett has not performed the way they would like him to. So I I, I think that if we can focus on Ty, get him out of the game. If Jack Doyle's the guy beating us, then you know I I think we'll have success.
1: The other thing to think
2: of too is they do have Dwayne Allen from yeah yeah, Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen's a good player, but they're not. I don't know what it is. He he's usually hurt as As he gets
0: hurt every game.
2: What it amounts to, yeah, he's pretty injury prone. He's a great tight end. He's more of a pass catcher than anything else. They don't they, I don't know what it is because I don't follow the Colts games that closely. Um, But I'll say that it's like every two games they will go heavy Jack Doyle and then randomly uh, Dwayne Allen will have a good game. So I, I would guess that with Jack Doyle being a former Titan, he definitely would probably be the guy to go to in this game. And we do struggle with tight ends. So both of those guys definitely need to be accounted for. I was just yeah, going to can-
1: say our our interior um, linemen need to step up in this game because we have struggled against tight ends a lot. And even when we pull safeties down, it doesn't seem like it helps a whole lot. So I'm looking a lot from Rashad Johnson here. I'm looking a lot at our interior uh, linebackers because they really need to step up and stop this guy. Because he can, you know, as we've seen Barnage had a good game against us, we've let tight ends kill us. I mean, that kid from Houston, Federer, Watson, whoever his name is, he had a good game against <laughs> F- us. Fedor-
2: Fedorowicz. <laughs> not not the way important. It better. Yeah. yeah, Federer
1: it. <laughs> not Yeah, Federer
2: Better Watson Heisel, gotcha,
1: Barnrich barely got his name mentioned, so I'm not mentioning him. He doesn't deserve it
2: yet hey you you touched on a good point with Rashad Johnson. I said this before the game this week. It's definitely time for Kevin Byard to see way more playing time. Ironically, that's what happened this week. Rashad Johnson definitely dropped the ball literally on that onside kick, and and honestly, I'm I've not been impressed with his play. I don't think we see him around next year. I want to see more Kevin Byard, and I want to see it now. Yeah, that's what I called for. You know, a couple of weeks ago when Cersei got hurt, was
0: that we need Byard on the field. I I like him and Stafford as a pair a whole lot more than I like Johnson and any of the other guys. Uh, I I was really excited for Johnson when he came here. I knew that he wasn't going to be the guy he had been as far as his stats were concerned, because he didn't have the players around him that he had on that Arizona defense. But I thought that he would be a little bit more of a playmaker for us. You know, He's one of those guys where it's all about that big play here and there. But the lows have been lower than I expected them to be. And I I don't hold the kickoff return against him because our special teams finds a way to screw it up every single week.
2: Yeah. I think, honestly, man, going back to this past draft with with Bayard in the third round, I think that's going to be a steal in, in the years to come. I don't know what it is about him. He's vocal, he makes plays, and and he's a ball hawk, man. I I really think he's going to be a future Pro Bowler.
1: I think he fits a lot what we're trying to do, too. You know, with this defense and a Dick LeBeau defense, uh, Dick LeBeau can do magical things with guys that are ball hawks. And and I think that I'm, I'm really excited to see Bayard as he progresses. And I agree with you, Matt. And a couple of weeks ago, I don't think I would have. I thought people were being a little too hard on him. But Johnson's been very underwhelming. And I, it's time to, to phase in some Bayer, and I want to see him more and more as the season goes on.
0: Absolutely. We might as well go and get him ready for next year. We're not winning the Super Bowl this year. You know, hey, whoa, there. slow down. We're winning Stop. the Super <laughs> We are not winning the Super Bowl. If don't we put it. Matt Castle in, we win the goddamn
1: Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if Matt Castle and Derek Henry take over this team, we go all the way. That's exactly. not going to happen, though, because the Titans suck, right? I had to jam my
1: inner crackhead right there.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I I told all those guys to relax, and here we are winning games. Look at that. Smoke rocks. (laughs) <laughs> smoke them rocks and then get on facebook and post stuff well let's go ahead and look at the play calling on the offensive side of this do you feel like Robisky has adjusted his play calling or is it just that we're playing crappy teams oh, A little think, bit of both
1: oh i think it's i think it has it is you know the lower level of talent definitely has an effect let's not act like it doesn't but his play calling's improved drastically you've talked about mario to getting less and less uh, attempts and we've seen the rushing numbers go up and even though that we didn't have a great rushing day we still ran the ball a lot and it was a good thing for us even though we weren't getting good chunks of yardage it set up everything else that we're trying to do even when the running game is not working we need to stick to it because it sets up everything else that we're going to do in our offense I think that was a huge plus for us they've as I said a hundred times in this show it feels like now we've worked out the kinks with the play action we're I thought the play calling was a lot better in this game.
2: Yeah, my answer would be a little bit of both. I think the play calling has gotten better. I'll say that uh, one thing I did not like was the fact that um, we only saw Derrick Henry in a limited fashion. He ran twice for seven yards, which was not really where we saw him. He also had two catches for 20 yards. My thing is, although the play calling is getting better, if they see DeMarco struggling, what I was call, calling for while it was going on was, let's let's see uh, Henry get in there and pound the ball. The one thing, and I'm going to ask you guys what you thought, the biggest thing that stood out to me with Derrick Henry was – he was not in my eyes he was not running hard he was he was getting the ball waiting for the hit like he would stand there instead of moving forward he was standing there waiting for the hit and had his arm out waiting to stiff arm somebody but he wasn't moving forward he was waiting for them to come to him and he just he didn't look right to me I don't know if you guys saw that or not but it it definitely stuck out to me yeah I had that same question with him I didn't know quite what he was up to and yeah,
0: maybe that's what the coaches saw. That's why they just didn't let Henry have any more rushes. What really stood out to me was that DeMarco didn't have a single catch this game. That was really strange to me. I don't know. I didn't look closely enough whenever I was watching the game if there was just a spy on him every time he came out of the backfield. I don't know if they even ran any pass routes for him. It was just really odd for me that you know one of our leading receivers, being DeMarco Murray, didn't have a single catch.
1: I'll say this. Derrick Henry is a good back, but he's not a one or two step guy he has to get those three four steps so I thought a lot of it was him he slows down to make these little sideways sideways cuts these little you know fancy footwork but then he doesn't get enough time to get that steam built back up because he's not a guy that's going to cut right off of a stop and, and be going fast you know he just doesn't he's too big and, and to be able to do that so he needs those three four steps and it seems like he just got too fancy with his footwork at the beginning of the play then when he had a hole he only had two steps and it he's not he doesn't have that burst to be able to explode off two steps and get downfield because he is a bigger guy i thought that had a lot to do with it but i had the same thing with matt is during this game i was like why don't we just run derrick henry and just bruise this front seven for one drive just put derrick henry in and just pound the shit out of the front seven of the browns then bring demarco murray back in you know after they're and they're all bloodied and bruised up and let him take over again. I thought that would have been a better idea.
0: Yeah, I could have seen us doing that. I was thinking that maybe the reason they didn't run Henry Moore was just the Browns absolutely sold out against the run this game. They were sending the house every time and the only receiver they were paying any real attention to was Delaney Walker. And for the most part, they accomplished what their defense wanted to do. They said, we're not going to let DeMarco Murray beat us. We're not going to let Delaney Walker beat us. And so it said it was Kendall Wright, Ryan Matthews, Marcus Mariota who beat them. And they, they took away the guys they wanted to take away and we just beat him with the other guys, yeah. You know, so I think maybe that's part of the reason is you know what Ryan just said. If Henry can't get his steps, then he can't get up to full speed, and so he can't be really effective. So maybe they just decided just not to give him his shot. I too would have liked to see him some more. I would have liked to see them run some sweeps. You know, part of getting you those steps is on a sweep you have a little bit more time before you get to that first contact, hopefully, and before you get to the edge, and so. Maybe that would give him a chance to get some speed up going on the outside. I really liked uh, right off the bat, though, the run with Marcus Mariota carrying the ball when he had Walker out there blocking for him. I thought that was a great play. I would have liked to see some more of that because I think that play was there for most of the game.
2: Yeah, and they were uh, target they were targeting Murray real hard on that run too. I mean, they didn't know who had the ball. That's that's why it was so successful.
1: Yeah, there was really only one guy out there, and Delaney Walker had a great block on him, and that I mean that led to. I mean, Walker blocked him for like twenty yards. It seemed like to make that play possible. I mean, it was an impressive play. Another thing, though, I just thought of while you were talking is maybe they didn't bring Derrick Henry in because they were so they were teeing off on the run so much. Maybe they didn't want to hurt his confidence. Being a young player, when they're sending that many guys to really focus on the running game, maybe that was uh, played a part in it, why he didn't see as many touches.
0: Derek Henry so, doesn't strike me as a guy that you have to worry about his confidence.
2: It's also week seven. I think when we were talking about preseason talk, when when Paul Kaharski was downplaying his great Henry's great play. I think you know that's when you build the kid's confidence. Like you know, you're putting him in against a second string defense. Who gives a shit? You know, what I mean that's that's when you're building his confidence. But right now, I think I don't know what it was. He just seemed off to me. But you're right. The Browns were targeting on Murray and the run game, and that opened up a lot of things. I mean, Mariota ran for 60, 64 yards on seven carries, along a of forty yards. When we did throw the ball, we made it count. He only had seventeen completions, but it, it was for almost three hundred yards. So I mean, we made we made other things work when the run didn't. So that that's promising. I think that's definitely a, a huge step forward.
1: Yeah, not only that, but he was an interception away from a perfect pass rating, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he had a, he played a really fantastic game passing the ball, and a lot of that was due to seeing a lot of seven, eight-man boxes and just throwing it over top of him. And, and you know, a lot of that, like what we already talked about, a lot of that was made possible by the Browns sending so many people right on the line of scrimmage.
0: That was something I was going to bring up was, you know, Marcus had – just a great game, and then he had that one play where instead of just accepting that they weren't getting the first down, he threw the ball and gave an interception, and put the Browns in good field position, which was the first time, because I had literally just written down in my game notes, the Titans have done an amazing job of pinning the Browns back and making them have to drive the field to score, and then we throw the interception, give them the ball on their 40-yard line. It was just perfect timing. I almost wish I hadn't written that out. Maybe that wouldn't have happened. But It was that one play where Marcus tried to do too much, and he still does that. He he wants the been So bad, but over the last few weeks, I think we've we can all agree that we've seen him really grow as accepting what the defense will let him have. And then you just get one play here or there where, okay, Marcus, let's not do that.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with blaming you for that play, Glenn.
0: I can take it. We, we now, still won. I, I will happily take the bad play.
1: <laughs> it was it was a bad play, but you look at any quarterback in the NFL. Every Tom Brady does it. And you know, well, Aaron Rodgers has been a, a lot lately, but every quarterback throws one to two passes a game that can be intercepted. It happens to everybody. And this was this was a bad play, and it was him forcing a little bit. But overall, you know, we still won the game, and he still had a really brilliant game. So it's it was one mistake, and I know Marcus is the kind of guy that when he watches film, he's not going to be watching film on those touchdowns. He's going to be watching that, seeing what he did, and, and fixing it. Because for the most part, he has really fixed that, that I need to take over the game mentality. And, you know, we've seen it in the last few weeks where he's played brilliantly since he stopped doing that. And it just... It peaked its head out just a little bit on that play, but really he played a fantastic game, so I'm not worried about it.
0: All right, so on defense, they did a great job of responding to that play. I mean, the very next play, it's a sack. The defensive pressure has improved a lot as we've been playing weaker teams. Obviously, the worse the line is, the better our defensive front seven is going to look. And and they did. And my thoughts on that were part of you know how well McCourty and Cox have been playing, how we've responded to teams with bad offensive lines. And we're about to play one. The, the Colts have, again, one of the worst offensive lines we'll see this year, if it weren't for the fact that the Dolphins offensive line was just absolutely injury killed. This week... You know, we're going to play another crappy offensive line. The defense, the last couple of weeks, has responded whenever the offense has failed, and the offense has responded when the defense has failed. We're doing a better job, I think, of answering back to challenges as far as the ebb and flow of the game goes, is that you know part the players, the leaders on the field stepping up, or do you think that Malarkey is giving these guys a tougher mindset?
1: I think a lot of it is the mindset. I think when you keep losing games, anybody who's been on any team knows, and you keep losing games, it's hard to get yourself to that mode again. Getting a, a solid win like that, just beating the shit out of the Dolphins, really helped us, and This win, you know, we let him come back at the end, which we shouldn't have. But we're building confidence. I think the mentality has a lot to do with this team. We saw plays happen. You know, we talked about really good block by Walker. I don't think we've talked about it yet, but Antonio Andrews just fucking sending that dude straight to the fucking hospital with a bone crusher. You're seeing a a lot of emotion, a lot of emotional plays, a lot of tough plays. And it's coming from a lot of different people. I think... I'm going to name it right now, the Carl Klug effect. I think the whole team's starting to get a little bit of Klug and their soul, and it really is making a difference. And Malarkey's one of those guys that can do that in a football team. Even though he hasn't had success as a head coach, he is a guy that motivates well.
2: Klug is infectious. <laughs> I agree with you, man. The mentality is big. One thing that I'll, I'll... – You know, you already touched on a lot of it, but we just played the Browns. We just played the Dolphins. We played both of those teams last year. Both of those teams, well, the Dolphins for sure, whooped our ass last year. Cleveland, we kind of had a chance in the second half to come back. But from the start, they whooped our ass too. That's the difference between where we were then and where we are now. Even though, you know, the the scoreboard at the end of the game was 26-28, we handled that game the way they handled us. It was almost like roles were reversed, but it all has to do with the mindset. I don't know if it's malarkey putting it in the, in these guys' heads. I'd like to think so. I don't know if that's the case or not. But I do agree with you as far as just a complete different mindset of where we were before and where we are now. We are already matched our win total last year. We're a different team this year. We're not a Super Bowl caliber team at the moment you know we've preached this all off season you know for the last however many weeks we are headed in the right direction we are getting to where we need to be it starts with your mindset i mean these guys are if if we can the one thing i still complain about more than anything about this team is missed tackles and i think guys are over pursuing their their tackles and i think that's part of what we're doing our special teams is awful for one but I think with the pieces we're getting in place and you know a year or two ahead a year or two moving forward with our draft picks and free agency and whatnot I think we can be you know a very very relevant team moving forward but it all starts right now with the mindset
1: I agree I agree with a lot of what you said there Matt and it's it is a lot of mindset and it is a much different team and and another point to add on to that is look at the teams we have lost to this season you're talking about an undefeated Vikings team a one loss Raiders team and a two-loss Texans team. At the beginning of this year, we said to make the difference, to be the team that we need to be to grow this year, you got to be able to beat that middle-of-the-road and, and lesser teams. And the middle-of-the-road and lesser teams that we've played so far, even though I think the Texans are going to end up being the middle-of-road, the road. so take them out right now because right now they're above middle-of-the-road, but the Lions, middle-of-the-road team, get a win. The Dolphins, below average, get a win. And then Browns, basement of the NFL, get a win. We're handling the games that we really need to. We said at the beginning of the year, you got to beat those middle of the road teams in order to be a good team, and we're doing that. You know, we've two of our losses for sure, without a shadow of a doubt. We lost two really good teams that are headed to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things I thought about when you know Millarkey was talking about doing the Smash Mouth team. You know, this is an old style offense. You know, the, the idea that you're going to run the ball and pat it down the field, control the clock. That 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 mindset is we're going to beat the teams that we should beat. And that's what we're doing, and that's where we need to be this year. There was nothing they could have done this offseason to have turned this into a Super Bowl-caliber team. You just can't acquire that much talent on the field in one offseason. It's a building process. You see it all the time. Teams are always building, slowly getting better. You know, Some teams like the Browns, the Factory of Sadness, they never get there. They just... They go for a while, they give up, they start over again. You know, But a few years back, the Browns had a pretty decent defense, and they've torn it down and rebuilt it again. The Titans this year, they had to be able to beat teams that they should be able to beat. They had to be able to be more talented than at least half of their opponents to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. When you're running the smash-mouth offense this year, You should be able to beat these middle-of-the-road and lesser teams, and that's what we should do. That's what, as fans, we should expect. I I, want to thank the uh, Titans for helping Jason Irons take the bag off his head and finally winning two games in a row. It's been two years. We finally started to move in the right direction. We're beating teams that we should beat. We're doing the things that we should do, and it's going to pay off. It's just a matter question of patience. The Colts are not a good measuring stick. If we don't beat the Colts, then that's a bad thing. We, we should be able to beat those guys. And what we've done this year is we've put together a team, and we've put together a style of offense that should be able to beat about half the teams in the league. And then we've got to acquire some more talent to take that next step up.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it, it is it is important. And you know what? It starts this week. This week we're playing a team that is a little bit better than I think the the Dolphins are and obviously the Browns are. And let's get into this Colts game guys. We're talking about a team in our division that is struggling, but they still have some weapons on this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So what are some things that you're looking for in this
0: Colts matchup? I think the biggest challenge is going to be on the defensive side of the ball for us. We've seen the Colts defense. We've talked about them already this show. They're at the bottom of the league. They're, they're one of the worst four defenses in the league. We should be able to go out there and do what we did to the Dolphins and just run the ball on them. I think that the uh, the play just disparity, of the, you know, we ran the ball more than we threw the ball, I think that continues this week because there shouldn't be any need for us to throw the ball a whole bunch. If they do what the Browns do and they sell out to stop the run, then we'll see the bigger chunks down the field. The offensive philosophy this week should be like it was last week. I want the same kind of thought process. If you're going to take away Walker and you're going to take away Murray, then we're just going to hit the other guys d- deeper down the field and we're going to burn you that way. The question for me is, can this defense hold up against quarterback-like Andrew Luck, who's had his struggles. You know, he, he hasn't been the messiah that everybody thought he would be, but he's a damn good quarterback. He he can really play. He, he inspires his team. He leads his team, and he makes good, accurate throws. He's got a receiver in T.Y. Hilton who's better than – any receiver we've played the last couple of weeks, he uses his tight ends as he can. You know He's going to get things done. The one thing they don't have is they don't have a running game. I don't want the Titans to be too worried about Frank Gore to let uh, Andrew Luck get off. We, we've got to get back there.
2: We've got to hit Andrew Luck. You're exactly right, man. I think the key to success is going to be our pass rush. I think we can get it uh, to Andrew Luck. I don't. I don't know how many times or how many sacks we'll actually have on him, but that's the key for us to win. I don't think without pressure that we can – stand toe-to-toe defensive secondary-wise against Andrew Luck. I think the pass rush will create everything for us. Their O-line's been Swiss cheese all year long. I, I do think we are going to get some pressure on him. And Andrew Luck hasn't played up to his standard, I would say, I guess to to be blunt. He's, he hasn't performed to my expectations of what I thought he would be. But at the same time, it's a, we know firsthand it's all about the offensive line. They have not protected him. I wouldn't be surprised if we you know, knock him out of the game. They have nobody outside, and we talked about this before during our preseason stuff. Their starters are really all they have. The depth on this team is not there. You look behind Andrew Luck. Can you guys tell me who their backup is? I can tell you I don't care. No. Scott Scott Tolson, Yeah, exactly. Behind Gore. You know who's behind him? Probably not. Robert... I think Turbin. it's Tolzine. Whatever <laughs> it is, <Tolzien>. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> he played for Wisconsin, I know that much, but yeah, he's not shit. We got... Behind Gore, they got Robert Turbin, they got Josh Ferguson. A bunch of nobodies. Dante Moncrief's the playmaker. He's out of the game. If we can zero in on Ty Hilton, T.Y. Hilton, and create pressure on Andrew Luck, we're, we can easily win this game. And breaking news... I did not know if you knew this. I'm looking at their their uh, depth chart right now. Did you guys know Akeem Ayers is a Colt?
1: Absolutely. I didn't know that.
2: It doesn't matter. It doesn't scare me any. <laughs> it do- doesn't matter. I understand that. But he's a division rival now. I didn't. I didn't. I thought he was a Ram, but apparently he's a Colt now. So he's well, playing he went Mah- to the uh,
0: Patriots when he left, didn't he? Yeah,
2: and yeah. then Fisher, of course, Fisher signed him.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then then
2: cut him right but yeah he's playing behind robert mathis right now how crazy is that their best defenders like 40 years old robert mathis i mean <laughs> there's no reason why we can't run through these guys and no Mathis reason. has done nothing this season
1: and it shows on this team guys they're right now they're 31st in yards allowed 28th in points allowed in the nfl they've given up the most big plays this year uh over 20 yards out of any team they really struggle on defense i mean they're it's going to be it should be I will say this it should be very easy for us to move the ball on this team we shouldn't have any problems with it at all. You know, one thing we didn't bring up in this in that Browns game, but it was like the first time in a very long time that we scored on the opening drive. This is another team that we should just march down the field and punch it in right off the first drive. The, you know, the Colts are a very bad defense. And then you look at offense, and you guys are bringing it up. Really, outside of T.Y. Hilton, everybody that they have as a pass catcher gets hurt. You know, Allen gets hurt every game, as we were talking about. Uh, Moncrief's out. They keep a wide receiver standing outside of Hilton. And then you have 840-year-old Frank Gore running the football. They have a patchwork <laughs> offensive line. And I think, I will say this: I still think Andrew Luck's fantastic. I still think he's a fantastic player. But when you have that environment, you know, no one's going to be successful in that environment. You take Tom Brady, as good as he's playing right now, and you put him on, on the Colts, and they're not going to be that much better of a team. They're just, they don't have the talent around him to be good. And. Speaking of this offensive line, I don't want to bring this up. But I didn't know if you guys were aware of this or not. Colts have given up the most sacks this year. It's 23 sacks, most in the NFL. That's almost four a game that they've given up so far. So we really – and it, it works out perfect for us because it really seems like Derek Morgan, Arakpo, Casey are just really hitting their prime right now in the season – I, everybody in this defensive front just seems like they're really starting to click Now uh, clue coming up with big plays as we've talked about you know he's the our, the show's favorite <laughs> but we really need to get after him that's going to be the, a, a huge part of this game is getting Andrew Luck on his ass getting pressure in his face And I really think that we can do it. You know, with Morgan, with Arakpo, you know, Casey giving pressure. We're getting good pressure up the middle. We're doing a really good job of getting pressure. We need to continue that this week against the weak offensive line, and I don't think we're going to have issues doing it. We just have to cover downfield long enough for them to be able to get there.
0: Exactly, and you know the thing, the thing about Frank Gore is he probably runs like a six point eight second forty right now. But the thing is, is he's so damn low. He, he's built like me. He's got short legs. He's really strong. He just he <laughs> he's low center of gravity, man. And that's his whole that's his whole game. You have to do a freaking squat to tackle this guy head on because his center of gravity is so low that he, he gets you the 3.6, 3.7 yards per carry. And Colts fans are thrilled with it because they had Richardson there before who was getting you 1.2 yards per carry the Colts this next year. They, they've got to actually, they've got to really just hit it in the draft. If they're going to save Andrew Luck's life, they, they've yeah, got to get him some weapons. They've got to get him an offensive line and some protection this game. We're going to go back there. We're going to hit him a bunch. I think Klug has this first sack of the year. And I, I really think that we're going to beat Andrew Luck up. I, Right. <laughs> I like the kid. I honestly do. But like you said, if we can just stop TY Hilton and not let somebody else burn us instead. There's no reason our defense shouldn't be able to handle this offense for the most part. The
2: biggest thing with this team is is that damn contract that Luck has. I mean, it it's really killing them because after their, you know, starting lineup, they got nobody and it, and they don't have the, the money to bring people in and the guys they have are getting hurt. I mean, it, it's it's great for us, it sucks for them, but I mean, it, is it worth having a great quarterback like Andrew Luck to have nothing else around him? I don't know. And we said that in the preseason
0: when they signed that contract. We all said the same thing. Like, that's awesome for us. You know, Luck is absolutely worth every penny of it, but you can't build a team when all of your money goes to one player.
1: Absolutely. You know, that's 100% right. And looking at this game, it's built for us to win. You know, where we're, we're going to be able to move the ball. They are kind of good up front on defense. But we're still going to be able to move the ball. I think offensively it's going to look a lot like it did this week because I think they're going to tee off on the run and and try to stop DeMarco Murray. I think it's going to give Marcus Mariota a lot of options downfield. I expect another big game out of Kendall Wright because there's nobody that really is impressive that they're going to be able to uh, in their secondary uh, you said their best defensive player, you know, is, is in his 40s right now. There's nobody really on this defense. Their front is decent, uh, so they're going to tee off on the run. We're going to be able to run the play action. We're going to be able to get guys open down the field. And on defense, it's the name of the game is getting pressure. That's all we got to do is get pressure and just keep – Hilton covered, and we can do just fine. You know, I I think that this is a very winnable game for us. This will be the first win, I think, of this season that's a statement win. If we can pull off a win against these Colts in our division, a team that we haven't had success against in quite some time, it would be the first big statement win of the season for us.
2: Yes, sir. Hey, let's get some final predictions on this game. What do you think?
1: The final prediction for this game is, as I think that we're going to get, I think Klug's going to get his first sack. I think that we're going to be able to pass the ball. Again, I think Mariota's going to have a big game. I'm going to say final score, we end up beating the Colts 27-21. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to say 27-20, and we go out with the win.
0: I'm going to go so you're 31-24.
2: Glenn, I swear to God, that's what I was about to say.
0: Ryan just stole my clue getting his first sack, so why not?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take hey, it. it's teamwork, man. Great minds exactly. like. There you go. Anyway. clue. Good very much
1: Well, some real quick some things we wanted to bring up. Don't forget to read Glenn's Know Your Enemy articles. They they are fantastic. I talk about them every week, but they are really good and if you're not reading them, you're really missing out. You can find them right on our our webpage at two tone com right there click the know your enemy link and there the new one comes up every week uh, it comes out just about about the same time as the show and they're really really fantastic really in depth a lot more than, in depth than we can be on the show here and this week's poll question in honor of our patron saint will Carl Klu get his first sack of the season. Just a simple yes or no in the poll question. See what everybody thinks. And then um, the last thing and the point we always try to bring up. Go to this game. Fill the stadium. Let Andrew Luck hear you. Make it hard for him to get that snap off and really get home field advantage. It's really important for this game and could be a big factor in us beating this Colts team. So definitely if you're in the area or if you can get to the area, fill this stadium and let it be known that you know, we're loud and proud. Let them know that, that you're there and really get home field advantage back.
0: I want to point out that I bought on on my score prediction up until the last three minutes of the game when the d- defense is like, they, they took all the fight out of the game. Even the announcers said they dropped into the cover too. They're just playing safe on the back end. That's why we didn't really talk about the last three minutes because that wasn't what we were about for the rest of the game and obviously the team just kind of let go and said hey we're gonna win that's not gonna happen this week we're gonna do better the defense is gonna keep the foot on the throat the whole damn game
1: any titans out there listening do your best so we can keep the bag off of jason iron's head that's the goal <laughs> for the rest of the season keep the bag off the head all right everybody <laughs> have a good night thanks for listening tighten up clug pod
2: Thanks for listening to the
0: Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at 2 and like us on Facebook.